The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning. It is really, really good to see you today. It's really good to see those of you sitting in this audience, and especially those that have struggled with COVID and have come through. We are so grateful for your, uh, for your positive outcome. We're grateful for that you're feeling better. Grateful to have you here. And we miss you people online. Let's quick wave to a camera. We can pick a camera, whichever. We sure miss you. We really do. And we look forward to the time when we can all be together again soon. Let me begin with a, just a very quick update on the elder selection process. I want to say thank you for your prayers concerning this. You know, Phil and I have worked hard over the last year to identify ways to improve the process, and we're excited to say that a good number of men have stepped forward for the next step. Please continue praying for this as these men and their families consider the full implications of taking this role on. And for the rest of you, if anyone has questions about the selection process, please email us at elders@thesprings.cc. And we'll be glad to provide a document with the details of the process. Uh, your trust is sacrosanct, and we always want to operate in tr- transparency to preserve that. It is of utmost importance to us. So, let's begin with a prayer. Dear Father, you are holy. It's very hard to understand what that means because we are not your equals. We struggle with sin, we struggle with doubt, and we struggle with love. Father, pierce our hearts and minds with your mission, your love, and with faith to move mountains. Be with the springs. Be with us as we bring on new leaders. We pray for direction. We pray for vision to become what you have designed us to be at this place, at this time, and with these people. Be with these men that have shown interest in learning more and grant them peace in their decision to move forward or to step back. Be with our members that long to be back together. And help us never to lose that desire to come together in your name. And Father, be with a lesson today. Fill us with your spirit so that your will, your word, and your way speak to each one in some way that is carried on throughout this week. And in the mighty name of Jesus, the church says, amen. All right, well, many of you probably have some very sweet stories about getting married and the immediate wedded bliss that you experienced. Alyssa and I did not share that scenario. We, <laughs> yeah, you, someone gets it. As two strong-willed people, it took us years to learn how to choose better, how to choose each other. So after surviving five years of marriage, we decided to, uh, to go celebrate and go to Hawaii. And we also decided, well, you know, while our parents were older, I hate to say I'm the age they were at this time, but our parents were older, let's not take that for granted, let's let them join us. So in the summer of 1999, that sounds so not long ago, we went on a trip to Hawaii with my parents. I want you to know that I spent a couple of weeks prior to that praying for that time to be holy ground and full belief that God would open my eyes to his purpose and that kind of tells you how rough those five years had been. God responded very faithfully in some incredible ways. But this is my favorite story. 
You see, one of the highlights of this trip was gonna be a deep sea fishing tour with my dad. So we traveled to Kona, which is on the west side of the Big Island, and we purchased a four-hour deep sea fishing expedition with a captain. I can remember the smell of the salt water, the sound of the engine as we trolled about, and the waves that just kept bouncing us around with ease. I mean, this was adventure, and we were mighty conquerors about to catch some serious fish. So the first hour began, and here we go. But during that first hour, I began to shift my focus from myself. I wanted to catch something, but I began to shift my focus onto my dad. And as I sat with him, it's no coincidence that you know, my, my prefrontal cortex is fully developed by this time, that it starts becoming aware. I start becoming aware of how much this guy has sacrificed for me. How many times he put himself in the back so that I could be pushed forward. And I thought to myself, you know, how selfish I had been as a child. N naturally, it wasn't mean, it was just naturally, that's kind of where children go. And I thought, I want something different. So I decided that on that trip, on the fishing trip, what I really wanted was not me to catch something. I wanted to see the smile on my dad's face when he caught a fish out of the ocean. I wanted to take a back seat to him. So I began to pray. Hour two starts, and I begin to pray, God, please bring a fish for my dad. I want to see the smile on his face. But the waves pushed, the hour passed, no fish. So the third hour began, and, and nausea, nausea settled in. If you've been on a fishing trip, you get that, like really settled in. But I kept praying. God, please, please, can you bring a fish for my dad? You got a bunch here, J just one. And the wind blew, and the hour passed, no fish. The fourth and final hour started, and I really was not feeling hot, but I kept that prayer going earnestly, please, God, just bring a fish for dad. I want to see the smile on his face when he catches a fish from the ocean. The engine churned, the hour passed, no fish. So we departed the boat and when we got into the car, and I gotta admit, I kinda had a little bit of an ex existential crisis at this time. As I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, why would God, why would you not honor that prayer? I mean, was it selfish? It wasn't difficult because I've read the stories of that you have filled boats so full that they began to sink. Why? I mean, God, I, I, even, I even helped you out here. I rented a really nice boat with top-of-the-line equipment and an experienced, sober captain. So, I mean, I, this was, I thought we had it, I thought I had you helped out. This was kind of a softball. But we'll come back to that story in a bit. Why was it so hard? You know, probably everybody listening has dealt with a situation that has made you question and this year has only doubled the questions, right? More questions keep getting, getting thrown on you. But so maybe one of these scenarios speaks to you. God, you knew my marriage was in a hard place. We're trying to work on this. And this year feels like we're just becoming more stressed and less connected. God, why is this so hard? 
Or maybe, God, you know, my, my body has enough pains and fatigue already. I did not need that diagnosis. I'm nervous about the future and whether I'm going to have the strength to endure. God, why is this so hard? Or maybe, God, you know I love my family and I love spending time with them. But this year has pushed that to the limit. You know, I struggled in school and I would have never volunteered to homeschool my kids and I don't remember most of what I learned and I feel like I'm failing them. God, why is this so hard? Or maybe this last one, God, I've always provided for my family in the past but the layoff this year, that hurt. New jobs aren't as easy to find and the pressure of bills is mounting. My confidence is at an all-time low. God, why is this so hard? You know, in 1 Kings, we are presented with a story of one of God's most faithful prophets. Elijah has just had a literal mountaintop experience on Mount Carmel, which is, by the way, one of the most entertaining stories in the scripture. But however, afterwards he gets an extremely personal death threat from the king's wife, and he has to flee for his life. And during this time, Elijah has an existential crisis, and he begins to wonder if his efforts were worth it, to the point of saying, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better off than my ancestors. He felt inadequate. He felt powerless. He felt alone. Does any of that sound familiar? So let's pick up the story right at that point where God is li- going to listen and, su- and respond in a surprising way. We're going to be looking at 1 Kings 19, 9 through 19. Let's hear God's word. Then he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and a powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he put on his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put the prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, appoint Hazel king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meloah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped from the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. 
So Elijah went. Let me share three simple thoughts uh, from that story to help you, those of you who are struggling right now. Number one, you are not alone. Don't believe the lie. You know, this year has been brutal on gatherings, and we just celebrated a Christmas that did not feel very celebratory to some. Do you feel alone? Elisha felt alone to the point where he said, I am the only one left, but I want you to listen to this promise from your God. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I want you to take just a couple of seconds here, and I want you to think about what you're going through that makes you feel alone. What is it that's making you feel alone? Now, I want you to say it very softly. For those here, you're not saying it so anybody else can hear it, but I want you to, to mouth it. For those of you at home, say it. Give words to that. What is making you feel alone? Now repeat this with me. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. One more time. We're going to believe it this time. Ready? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Believe it. He will not. You are not alone. And if having the creator of all things near was not enough, listen to the writer of Hebrews. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, we are surrounded by the examples and the love of those that have gone on before as well as those that continue to choose Jesus. God told Elijah that there were 7,000 faithful he didn't even know about, and he couldn't see them. Pay attention as God brings the faithful to mind for you. You are not alone. Don't believe the lie. Number two, you are not powerless. Act in faith. So Elijah went and he was told to go anoint a couple of people as kings. However, you ever think that there were actually a couple of kings already there? Probably not very excited about someone else, you know, trying to take over. And this was probably one of those, uh, okay, kind of moments. You can do something. We need to learn to listen for the Spirit and to act in faith when we hear it. What can you do now? I want, I want, you know, belief is so important, and, and yes, it, I mean, that is so crucial, right? Belief is important, but faith actually includes an action piece. Listen to the way James says this. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete 
by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. This year in 2021, we're going to have a sermon series on the book of James to help you as we work towards growing our faith. But also don't forget the promise of our Lord who said, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Let's practice just real quick listening to the Spirit to do this. So here's how we're gonna do it. I want you to pull out your phone and we're gonna use our encouragement app. Um, you have that on? I don't know if you have it on. It, it's got an icon that looks like this. Maybe you've seen it. This is a really cool thing that we can do, right? And I want you, here's how we do this. We're gonna say this simple prayer. God, bring to mind someone that needs encouragement. Say that to yourself. God, bring to mind someone that needs encouragement. Now pull out your encouragement out. Don't hesitate. You can totally do this during a sermon. And you can encourage someone right now. We need to start listening and l- for that moment when the Spirit is trying to say, there are other people out there. And let's move towards it. So we have to be faithful to that call and do something. But also consider that you might need to stop doing something as well. Elijah had to quit accepting the lie that he was alone. You know, I'm I'm completely convinced that Satan uses the same old sins generation after generation to chain us down. He really doesn't do anything new. But he boxes the same things up, he wraps them in new paper, and he puts a very pleasing bow on the outside of that. But inside, it's the same stuff. What do you need to give up? How do you even know what it is that is chaining you down? In 2021, we'll also have a sermon series on the seven deadly sins and how you can recognize them so that you can be free in the way that Jesus meant for you to be. Folks, God has given us a spirit of power, not timidity. And we are not powerless when we act in faith. Let's listen and let's respond. Remember, this is the Lord that could take fishes and loaves and feed 5,000. Number three, you are not inadequate. The God of the universe is in control. I heard Craig Rochelle say this last week. He said, you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. He's exactly right about that. You see, Elijah didn't have authority to make a king in the eyes of the current king, right? That doesn't make a lot of sense. That would be a little hard hard to, to push, So the plan doesn't have to make sense when you have almighty God backing you up. You are not inadequate. And don't forget that we also serve a highly creative God. I mean, remember, he made animals of all shapes and sizes. We're talking giraffes and bears and dogs, and I don't know why, but ticks. We could have done without that one. So don't expect to understand the response when it happens. Did you ever notice that Jesus really never Uh, healed people the same way twice. So let's finish, uh, hold on, Um, let's go back to the story. It says, but the Lord was not in the wind, the mighty wind that was tearing up the mountain. Not there. He wasn't in the earthquake. 
Well, that was mighty. Wasn't in the fire. That was mighty. But he was in the whisper. We would expect God in those big things, but he reminds us that he can show up in the small things too. Remember, this is the God that made the universe and that made Adam's. This is also the God that overlooked David's brothers to choose David. Think back on God, how, how God has answered your prayers on those rough patches and those long nights. How did he show up? So let me finish the story. Back in 1999, immediately after leaving that fish tri- fishing trip, here I am, I'm, we went and visited a black sand beach. I separated from my family and I walked alone to ruminate on this crisis I was having. It might seem silly to you, but really I was struggling at the time. And as I'm walking, something on the shoreline caught my attention. A little small Hawaiian man had just hooked a fish, was reeling it in. Curious, like I walked over to him to see him as, as he was taking this fish off the hook, and he puts it down inside one of those little volcanic holes. You know, the Hawaii, all the, you know, the beaches have these little volcanic holes. And there's not just a fish in there. There's like 30 fish. This guy is killing it. He's having a, day, a crazy day, and I'm sitting there getting to watch this. This is awesome. And here he goes. As I, he reaches down, as he takes a fish off, he reaches and he grabs some of the plants, the plants sitting right there inside the holes, and he ties it onto the hook on his bamboo pole, throws it back out in the water, and I kid you not, two seconds later, boom, hooks another one. I'm just sitting back like, whoa. <laughs> if you've any fisherman out there, you're like, this is, that's the day that I've always dreamed of, right? And these are nice-sized fish that he's just, you know, whipping out of the ocean, no big deal. He's having this fishing day, so I'm watching it, and I'm standing there by myself for a bit, but then other people start showing up. My dad shows up. Alyssa shows up. All these people I don't know showing up because everyone's noticing this. I guarantee you by the end there's probably 20 people standing around, this huge crowd just standing around watching this guy, and he's so busy catching fish he doesn't notice. But as he takes one off the hook and he just kind of, something catches in the eye, you could tell that he, he finally noticed we're sitting back there. And he ties another one on and he gets this little weird grin. And he takes it back and he throws it out there. Boom, he catches it. But this time was different. Instead of reeling this in, he turns around to this crowd and he looks straight at my dad. You want to reel this in? My dad was more than happy to oblige. You know, many times I've missed pictures of important moments. I did not miss this one. I'm proud to say this is one of my favorite pictures that I have because it reminds me of what God showed me that day. God didn't need my help. Right, God, he, he didn't need a softball. He didn't need top-of-the-line equipment. He didn't need a double-decker boat or an experienced captain. He took a simple fisherman, a bamboo pole, and the plants he made as bait. You know, in retrospect, I, I kind of think how insulting that is to offer God a softball. Psst, I made the universe. I can do this. 
But you know what? He honored the effort like the good father he is. I really want you to know this. God will be faithful. Offer your best in faith and watch him show up. You are not inadequate. He will be there for you, seriously. So in closing, remember these promises. Number one, you are not alone. Don't believe the lie. Number two, you are not powerless. Act in faith. And number three, you are not inadequate. The God of the universe loves you, and he's got your back.